0: are continuing our series here today uh, called pray like this and uh, these three words are the last words jesus says before he teaches us what we most commonly know as the lord's prayer Uh, He takes a couple of of verses, a couple sentences right before to say, these are areas that uh, are ways that you shouldn't pray, but this is ways that you should pray. This is what prayer ought to look like, communication with the Father. And we've been spending all summer walking through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We're going to take another phrase out of it here today. And again, if you're willing and able, would you stand with me? We're going to read the Lord's Prayer out loud. We'll have it up on the screen for you. And we're using the King James Version because if you have ever memorized any of it, likely it was King James or similar to King James. So we read this out loud with me here we go our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen you may be seated Uh, The phrase that we are going to be looking at today uh, is the phrase, as we forgive our debtors. Those of you who have brought a Bible and want to uh, get to the text we're going to be using primarily today, it'll be Matthew chapter 18. We'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, Will be our primary text here today. But we're going to look at the phrase, as we forgive our debtors, which is the continuation of the last phrase that that we studied was, uh, forgive us our debts. And it's not like a separate and secondary request. This is the phrase continues, forgive us our debts. We're asking the Lord to forgive us, the Father to forgive us, as we forgive our debtors. Now, as we discuss this today, um, looking at this, this phrase, this, this duality of being forgiven and extending forgiveness, um, I just don't know if there's anything more important in our lives than seeking the forgiveness of the Father, receiving His forgiveness and His grace. I also don't know if there's anything more challenging than his request to us to extend forgiveness to those that are indebted to us. There's nothing more important and maybe more challenging than receiving and extending forgiveness. As we talk about forgiving our debtors here today, the reality is is that if you've been on this planet very long, everyone has hurt. You have a story, you've experienced pain, You've been mistreated. There's been injustice in your life that everyone here today is carrying a level of hurt. And it does us no good to compare each other's hurts to each other and rank them. Your hurt is real. And the person sitting next to you, it's a different story, but what is hurt for them and pain and scars of their past is real for them. And we all maybe have different names and labels and memories attached to it, but we live in a broken, fallen world with broken, fallen humanity, whose sins and and, and actions and behaviors hurt. And we walk into this today looking at maybe one of the most challenging phrases of scripture, maybe certainly of the Lord's prayer, of forgiving those that have hurt us, those that are indebted to us. Um, Would you real quickly, I just want to pray, would you put your hand on your heart? We don't do this all that often. And this is just saying, God, would would you do what only you can do today? Father, we thank you that you know every story. You know every scar, you know every challenge, every pain, you know every bitterness, grudge, you know it all. And Lord, we don't take lightly this phrase of forgiveness here today and how difficult this can be. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to work a deep work inside of us today, that today would be a day where there's just some freedom that hasn't been experienced in a long time, that there would be a captivation with your gospel and that we would find through you and your love and your grace towards us the ability to walk in the commandment to forgive. We love you. We want to be open and receptive to you this morning. It's your name we pray, amen. I I went skydiving just one time and uh, I'd love to do it again. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but went skydiving once several years ago and uh, it was frightening and amazing. And uh, we went up to the skydiving place and, uh, you know, I had to watch this video that was essentially a video that, in every single way possible telling you you could die. Like it's all, they just, you had to watch this and then you had to sign papers. And all they wanted you to know is there's a thousand ways you could die today. Uh, sign that you knew that this could happen. So I sign it and like, this is just terrifying. And uh, and so I'm anticipating with something with such a high risk, there's got to be a certain amount of like training, of prep, of like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna make sure that the dying doesn't happen? And uh, so I sign the papers and then I go into uh, where I'm gonna go with not, not my instructor, but the guy that I'm going to dive with. He's the expert. I'm not. I've never done this. We're going to be strapped together, and uh, he's going he's to do what he does because uh, he doesn't want to die either. This was good news. He, will, he wanted to survive this, and so he's going to do what he knew how to do. But I'm anticipating as I meet him uh, what, what type of instruction are we gonna go through? What, what am I gonna have to learn? And so uh, I go up, I shake his hand, and uh, I was like, all right, what do I need to do? He's like, okay, here's the harness. I need one foot in this hole, one foot in this hole. And then he kind of brings it up and, uh, and it puts it over my shoulders. And he's like, all right, that looks good. I was like, do you wanna tighten this up? <laughs> he's like, uh, no, we'll, we'll tighten it up once we get in the air. I was like, we could do it now. Uh, he's like, no, we'll be fine. We could do this in the air. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure everything looks good. And I was like, okay. And he doesn't talk anymore. He's like, um, like, what do I need to do? Like, how, how do I make sure this goes well? He's like, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, just don't reach back at anything. Just keep your hands up here. And uh, when it's time to jump, just like put your chin back. I was like, I got it? And then he's like, I was like, what else do we need to do? He's like, I mean, nothing, really. What really matters is that you are attached well to me. And when we get in the air, we're going to make sure we do this. Uh, and, and I'll be attached to you. So we get up in the air. And actually, we were in a plane of about 20 people jumping. And we were the first ones in the plane, which means we're going to be the last ones off the plane. And it was really cool because uh, I'm up there with them. And I was like, hey, uh, I got a video guy, too, because if you're only going to do this once, you better make sure you got it captured. And I told the two of them, I was like, I don't know if I will ever do this again, so let's go big. Like, whatever it means, like the craziest we can possibly. We do let's do it and they just lit up like this is exciting and the guy that I'm really strapped to says uh well you're in luck because this plane the back opens up and you're not jumping out the side so we can backflip out of here it's like let's let's backflip out of here let's do this uh I'm just going to put my chin up, and we're going to backflip out of here, and so uh, we we fly up, and we are are 13,500 feet in the air, and the back of the plane starts opening up, and uh, I'm like, my back's to my tandem dude, and he's tightening up straps, and I'm like, this, okay, yep, keep going, crank this up, I don't care how close I am to you, how awkward this might be, make sure we're attached well, and we're attached, and you just see like bodies just dropping out the front of the, or the back of the plane, I guess, and and, uh, he makes it very clear that I'm not to hold on to anything, so we're walking up this plane with my hands like this, and we're just like inching up as people are falling out in front of us, and uh, get to the edge, and he's holding a handle, and my toes are off the back of the plane, 13,500 feet, and I'm shaking. I mean, this is so scary, and I can't hold on to anything, and I can't hold on, so I'm just like standing there like this. He's holding on, and uh, we're about to go, and the video guy who's next to us, he just reaches over and goes, stop, and puts his hand in front of me, and uh, above us, there's a light that was green that I didn't notice, because I'm looking down the ground here, and it had turned red, and so my tandem guy screams up in my ear, he's like, we, we're we too far away from the landing spot, we can't jump right now, we need to circle around until we're closer, it took everyone too long uh, in front of us that we were too far away, and so I was like, like do we sit down for this, and, he, and uh, so standing there, and do this, I don't know how long it was, it felt like forever, it was probably two minutes to make the circle, toes over the edge the whole time, just, just looking. And just like, I mean, this is just terrifying. And uh, finally, I didn't even see the light turn. I just hear the guy behind me go, green, and he grabs my chin, yanks me back, and we are back flipping out of there. And it was just insane. And the reality was, we, we make it, like things are crazy, the video guy comes up to me and like swings me around, and, and we make it, and I survived, long story short. Uh, and, and uh it was amazing but what uh, what I was realizing is that uh I was not the expert I did not know how to do this yet I was able to do it successfully not because I was the expert but because I was attached well to the expert that he knew what he was doing he did all the hard work it's actually funny watching the video he's like grabbing my legs with his legs and like pushing me around I'm just like ah! and he he did all it. I did it kind of wrong but he made sure that we did this this rut now There are so many things in life that are in tandem. The reason I was successful was because I could not do anything apart from him. Where he went, I went. The way he moved, I moved. Where he landed, I landed. That what really did matter was not my training. What really mattered was that I was connected to a source that knew what he was doing. There's so many things in life that go in tandem. Like, you do not walk into Costco and leave without spending $100. We can all testify. It just, they should just charge you $100 to get in, because it's just, they go together. You don't just walk into Target and not lose your wife to the dollar section for the first 10 minutes. Like, it's just, this is what happens. Things go together, tandem that you cannot do one without this, this action going with it. And this is what this scripture is telling us. It is, Lord, Father, forgive us of our debts as we're forgiving our debtors, making this really clear to us that these two components are in tandem. I think oftentimes we want to and try to separate these. Like It's like, I will, I will work on forgiving others separate from you forgiving me. But these are, they they go together. We do not receive the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, without also extending the grace of God. Now here's the truth. We're not the experts at it. I'm not good at this. This is a challenging thing for us to do as humans is to extend forgiveness. But what is so important and what I want to make the primary focus as we enter into this conversation today is not our specific training. How good are you? How hard do you work at forgiving people? What is so vital and so important is our connection to the one who is the expert, the one who does have the heart and the character and the ability. The grace that we have received, uh, it goes in tandem with extending grace. So when we are praying, Father, forgive me, as we are forgiving our debtors, we are, we are saying that, God, we are praying this in tandem. I'm asking to be forgiven as I'm asking for the ability to forgive others. We're receiving his grace. We're saying, God, I need your grace on my life to forgive my sins and in tandem with that I need your grace to be able to do what is so difficult for me to do and it's forgive somebody else who has sinned against me. I think we need to review debt for just a second. We talked about debt two weeks ago uh, when we talked about this first half of the phrase. Debt is, is something that deserves to be repaid. Like there is a real loss And and it it is a true, uh, something is missing because of how you've been treated or what you have given that has not been returned to you. And when forgiveness comes, it doesn't rewind the clock and that transaction never happened. It, when forgiveness happens, the debt still exists. It's just absorbed by the person that deserves to be repaid. They, they absorb the loss. They absorb the debt. You give someone $100 to forgive it doesn't mean that that $100 reappears somewhere. It means that I'm going to take the hit. I'm going to take the loss, and you no longer need to pay this back. So when we are asking the Father to forgive us, it is his amazing grace that we were able to dig into a couple weeks ago, that the debt that we owe, it's an eternity separated from him. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God to those who believe and receive is life eternal. That he takes the debt, he carried the burden of my sin. But now when we turn to this next phrase, it's as we forgive, it means that there is also a real debt that doesn't just disappear, You don't rewind the clock and everything's back to the way that it used to be. There is a real loss, a real debt that it is absorbed by someone. We're praying these together. God, I'm asking you to absorb my debt and at the same time, help me to absorb the debt of somebody else. I'll tell you the grace and the forgiveness of God is absolutely for you, but it was never intended to end with you. This prayer is as we forgive, meaning this, we ought to be very careful asking for God's grace and forgiveness if we don't plan on extending his grace and forgiveness. I tell you, we can't separate the two. We want to be passionate and excited and receptive to God's grace and forgiveness on our lives. It happens simultaneously in tandem with extending it. I want to look at Matthew chapter 18. Um, Jesus teaches on this this concept of forgiveness more extensively. He uses this this story, this parable. Uh, Matthew chapter 18 verse 21 says this, Then Peter, one of his disciples, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. Uh, he, he answers his own question, says it's seven times. Is seven enough? I think that Peter um, thought he was being generous. I think uh, Peter, is, he's talking to Jesus. He's not going to like lowball it. I think he's going to go above and beyond, like look better than he really is. He's like, how many times should we forgive someone? Like, I'm going to go higher than two or three. Let's, uh, let's go seven. I think that's generous. Uh, and he thinks good of himself. And Jesus, uh, we'll see his response in a minute, but uh, he, he could have said yes. He doesn't. But what if he would have said yes? Peter, and now us today, We would be counting. And would be like, okay, there's two, there's three, there's four. At six, you know, maybe like, all right, just do it one more time and I'm over this. Like, I'm done. I don't have to do it anymore. Or we'd be telling people, hey, you're at six. You you better tread carefully because I only have to forgive this one more time. And I think what Peter is questioning and addressing is the human concept that we feel that there's a limit To being offended, there's a limit to being hurt. We conclude that if we continue forgiving somebody, we're just going to contribute. We're going to endorse their behavior. Like we're just going to. It seems like we're empowering them to keep living this way. But Jesus doesn't respond with a yes. Um, He says to Peter in verse 22, "No, not seven times." Jesus replied, "But seventy-seven times." Peter is is, hears from Jesus, "Oh, Peter, no, 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 no. It's not seven. It's more like." 490 which this seven times 70 it's actually not just another number he doesn't just rank the number higher so now we have to count to 490. Uh, it's a figure of speech it's essentially saying like it's just a, an infinite amount of numbers. Like, it's, it's an impossible number. It's a, it's a figure of speech like we would use, like, one in a million doesn't mean much to us. So it's like, oh, it's, there's like no chance this is ever gonna happen. Do you remember the scene in Dumb and Dumber where Lord Christmas goes to the gal and he's like, what are the chances of a girl like me and a guy like you getting together? And she's like, not good. He's like, like, one in a hundred? And she's like, eh, more like one in a million. And what's so funny is the iconic line after that so you're telling me there's a chance. It's funny because we understand she's saying there's no chance. He's interpreting it as a chance. This is similar to what Jesus is saying. He's not saying 490. He's saying, like, there's there's no finish line to forgiveness. Like, how much do you forgive? You just keep forgiving, Peter. That as long as we are counting someone's sins, we've not truly forgiven them because we're still holding on to that to some degree because we're still holding on to the the previous times that we've forgiven. He says there, there is no finish line. I, uh, I do want to make this very clear, though, that forgiveness is not remaining in or returning to an abusive situation. Uh, there's wisdom in, in the settings that we're placing ourselves in, and forgiveness is, is not allowing that hurtful behavior to continue. I, I want to emphasize this point before we move on, that forgiveness and reconciliation are different. They're different concepts, and reconciliation is a biblical concept and deserves to be looked at. It's not the point of today's message. The forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Forgiveness is not going back to the way things it was before, isn't giving this another chance. Forgiveness is letting go of the bitterness, the anger, the retribution, the revenge that's in your heart. It's letting it go. It's absorbing the just penalty. It's the payment that is rightfully yours, saying, I'm not seeking that payment anymore, and I'm moving forward. I'm not gonna be held back anymore by this this situation and seeing justice in this situation and getting that apology and and making this. uh, It's not rewinding the clock. Forgiveness is simply saying, I will absorb the just penalty. I'm no longer seeking and needing justice. I'm gonna absorb the debt. And I'm not going to be held back by it anymore. I'm going to absorb the debt and move forward. Reconciliation is a beautiful concept, but forgiveness does not require reconciliation. Forgiveness says, even if reconciliation doesn't happen, I'm not demanding to get payment back. I'm releasing that debt and I'm moving on. Jesus illustrates this statement by telling this story about a forgiving king and uh, an unforgiving servant. Verse 23, he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king. So I love that he's about to teach us more about the concept of the kingdom. This ties into an earlier phrase we studied of your kingdom come, your will be done. And I love that we get an example of what his kingdom coming looks like. This is what the kingdom looks like. It says, it can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors uh was brought in who owed him millions of dollars he couldn't pay so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything that he owed to pay the debt as you look at this dollar amount that's talked about in the original language, it's a, it's also a figure of speech. It's not a specific dollar amount uh, translated here in the NLT. It's millions. If you look at the, the dollar amount that was uh, stated in silver and you translate it, it's like six billion dollars. Again, a figure of speech. What is trying to be communicated is a debt so large that it could not be paid back. It'd be like, whatever numbers our kids make up, a gajillion zillion number. Uh, This is what Jesus is saying. Like, it's so massive, it's impossible to pay back. It says in verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and he forgave his debt. There's a debt that he could not pay But he begs the master, give me some time. I will will pay it back. I will do the impossible. I will work hard enough to pay off a debt that I cannot pay on my own. And the master, the king, has every right to say no. This this isn't unfair treatment. This was a deserved penalty. This was a real debt. The king could say no. No. You owe me, and this is only a fraction of what I could get from you. Uh, And he has every right to say no. He has every right to say, okay, get to work and start paying me back. He could have done this. It's not injustice. This was a real debt. And I love that the king doesn't just say either of those, uh, and he doesn't just reduce it. It would have been the grace of the king to say, okay, I'm going to cut it in half. Okay, you only have to pay 10% of this back. He doesn't do any of these things. That what the kingdom of heaven is like, what our king, what our father does, is when we come before him, we recognize our debt, that the wages of my sin is death. And I come before him and say, I cannot pay this. But when we come to him and say, I'll work hard, I'll be good, I'll be better, I'll do what I can. I love that what God says to us is, I see I see you in this spot, I see you coming to me for mercy, and therefore I erase the debt, I absorb the debt. I want to tell you, the grace of God is better than any bartering you can bring to him. He is not reducing. He's not. He just says, no, I see your need for grace, and I see you recognize your need for grace. The gospel is better than bargaining. The gospel is better than earning his grace and his favor. The king gives it freely to those who recognize their need for him. He goes on in verse 28 by saying, but when the man left the king... He's now forgiven of this great burden. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When that happened, uh, or sorry, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had been forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Let's read verse 33 again for those that may be zoned out. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So strong. But this is what Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. This is how the father operates. This is how the kingdom of heaven works. And as we have received great mercy, shouldn't we extend mercy as well? I read this in a believers in general, but anchor specifically as this is our community, this is, this is our, our, our family here, that our church should be characterized by the spirit of forgiveness that's been extended to us. It should be defining of us, not, not a place that's okay with sin, but a place that doesn't keep record of it not because we we haven't suffered and not because we haven't dealt with injustice, but because we are a people that are so caught up in the grace that's been extended to us that our only response is forgiveness to others as well, not diminishing the hurt, the mistreatment, the injustice, but we are so captivated by a king who has forgiven our tremendous debt that when we look to our debtors, we don't have this, this anger and this resentment that they pay us back, but we show mercy as we have received mercy. This is as we forgive, that we are not just forgiven to be free from our debt, but to bring freedom to others. Walking in forgiveness is one of the greatest tools for evangelism that we have. It's what sets us apart, is we're not holding on to the, regret, the, the hurt of the past. We're not holding on to resentment and revenge, but when we can let that go, when it's real hurt and people hear the story of what you've walked through, and yet you can walk in mercy and grace, this is what sets us apart. And it's not something that we find just because we're so nice. It's because we have understood the grace that has been extended to us. I believe that our greatest challenge in forgiveness is keeping our, grace on the, or keeping our eyes on the grace we have received rather than focused on the offense that we've experienced. It's so easy for the injustice towards us to just captivate our, our attention, our thoughts, our, our emotions. It's so easy to be captivated by the true hurt that we've walked through. I think one of the greatest challenges is when we're caught up in these moments, going back to the grace that's been extended to us. To when we're this servant, not just look at the one who owes us thousands, but to look back at the mercy and the grace that we have received. My prayer for myself and my prayer for our church this week is that we have an ever deepening awareness of how much grace God has extended to us. Yes, the hurt is real, the, the, the offense is real, but how much grace God has given us. I know it would be easy to, in this room, feel in a moment like this of like, well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know my story. And for some of you, it's, it's true. I don't know what a lot of you have walked through. I've had the privilege of knowing the stories of some people in this community, the stories of those that have, even as children, suffered at the hands of a trusted loved one, been mistreated physically and sexually, and the stories in this room of being abandoned, by a spouse I know there is real loss and real hurt and the truth is that the person that you're sitting near they have a story that likely you just don't even know we don't know the hurt and the pain that is sitting within feet of us right now it's amazing when you get to know somebody and how many times we've had the privilege of having coffee or dinner with somebody and you begin to hear the story of someone that's been in our community for a while and just you never knew what they've walked through and where they've come from it's easy to be here for a few minutes of exchanges on Sunday morning and not know the reality of the pain of the person that's sitting near us. And for some of you, I, I don't know your story. And I know there's some of you that have deep wounds. I wanna tell you that this is not a day of discounting your pain. I refuse to let this be a, you just need to forgive, you know, just get over it, just move on. So truth is, in our humanity, I don't know how you forgive someone who has abused you. I don't know how you forgive someone who has molested you or raped you or someone that you love. I don't know how you forgive the person who abandoned you or the dad who walked out on you. I don't know how you forgive the person who cheated on you, divorced you, stole from you, hurt you in so many different possible ways. And there's no doubt some people have hurt you deeply. I want to say that God never says it's no big deal what happened to you. He never said that just just get over it. I want to tell you forgiveness is not saying that it doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not saying that it's not a big deal. Forgiveness is saying that somehow there's a God who is bigger there is a grace that is bigger, there is a cross that is bigger, there is a power that is bigger, there is a love that is bigger than what I experience in my own humanity, that there is something bigger. And I can walk in forgiveness, not because it wasn't a big deal, but because there is a grace that I have encountered that has transformed my life, has transformed the way I view other people, the way that I, tra- I, I, I view offense, that there is a grace and a power and a love of God that does something inside of me that I cannot do. I am not the expert. I don't know in our humanity how you ever get over some of the pain. And I'm not even, that's the wrong words. It's not about getting over. It's about releasing the debt that was owed to you releasing the bitterness and the anger and I don't need to be paid back for what happened to me because there is a love and a grace that is bigger. I want to we'll look at one last story and Spencer, you can come on up man. It's a story of this guy named Stephen who is able to extend forgiveness to his abusers in a way that humanly I just how how do we do this I want to look at the story in, in Acts chapter 7. this guy named Stephen he goes down as the first, First martyr, the first person to be executed, killed for his faith in Jesus. It says this, starting in verse 54 of Acts chapter 7. It says, The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven, and he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the place of honor in God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. They rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed. I want to pause there for just a moment. Stephen is being treated unfairly. He is sharing the gospel of Jesus to a people who, who don't want to believe it, who don't want to receive it. And so their response to him is they physically grab him and they drag him out of town and they they circle around him. And they are picking up stones and throwing them at his body with the intention of striking him in the head and taking his life from him. And he is in this moment treated so unfairly, treated so poorly by a community of people, rocks being thrown at his head, and in that moment, he prays face-to-face with his abuser. He prays, and I can't help but think, what is my prayer in that moment? No doubt, I'm praying for protection. God, rescue me, save me, protect me, shield me from these rocks. Wouldn't surprise me if my prayers go to against the stone throwers get them away remove them destroy them whatever like do something get them away from me and these prayers would seem understandable to me it would be my nature to go to this place protect me get them away this isn't what stephen prays look at this prayer of stephen while the rocks are being thrown he says lord jesus receive my spirit And he fell to his knees shouting. And in front of his abusers, he yells these words. He shouts, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Takes two phrases that are so similar to phrases of Jesus on the cross. Jesus says, into the hands I commit my spirit. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Such similar, similar language, he says, Lord, receive my spirit. I know that my soul is secure. I've experienced your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Like, God, I know. I know I'm I'm good with you. I know that I've received your love and your grace. Like my soul is secure. And because of the security of his soul, he's able to look at his abuser and say, "Because I know I'm good to go, because I know that my soul is in the hands of a loving father." His final words are, "God, don't hold this sin against them. He wants them to receive forgiveness. He wants them to receive mercy." I read this, and it's this is wild. This is wild. My question is how? How does somebody do this? How do we walk in this mercy, in this grace? And this isn't years later when he's found comfort, when he has moved on. This is in the moment, face to face. How does somebody do this? I believe the answer comes in the verses earlier. It says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. He gazes into heaven and he sees the glory of the Father and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. It's in this moment, even as he's being hurt, that he sees his Jesus. He's not taken away from the gospel that he's received. He is fixated on the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and in that moment, he's able to extend a grace that doesn't make sense. He's able to extend forgiveness that is unworldly. I wanna make this clear, Stephen wasn't just like a super nice guy that was able to forgive. He was captivated by the grace of God. I wanna tell you the best way to be able to forgive others is by looking intently at the grace extended to you by Jesus. The best way to be able to forgive somebody is not based on the size of the offense and how much time you've had to recover. It's your captivation with the grace of God. Now, what makes this even more challenging is that these people circling Stephen—they didn't see what they were doing as wrong. Oh, this makes it so much harder. Stephen dies without an apology. He doesn't see restoration. I'll say that the fullest expression of biblical forgiveness happens when one person sins, commits an offense. Recognizes what they've done, goes to the other person, apologizes, repents, and the debt is wiped away. I think that is the fullest expression and the beauty that we would long for in any situation. But what about situations where you never receive the apology? What if it's we go to our graves and that person is still justifying what they did, still doesn't believe that it was wrong, Still doesn't understand the hurt that you've walked with day after day, year after year. What about that? I want to say it again, forgiveness is not about setting things right. Forgiveness is about releasing the debt, which almost is like double forgiveness. It's grace upon grace. It's one thing to forgive when the debt is recognized. It's another thing when it's defended. Not even recognized or acknowledged, and no apology comes. It is grace upon grace to say, I still forgive. So, whether you receive the apology or not, forgiveness is coming to a place where, either way, we can view the situation, we can view the individual and say, You're no longer in my debt. I'm not holding anything over your head. You don't have to work anything off. That what is justly owed, I let it go. I release it, I forgive it. I absorb the debt, not because I'm super nice, but because I'm in tandem with a grace that's been given to me that I did not deserve. I'm so captivated by who he is that as he forgives me, I forgive. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me? I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes right now. And just as a posture of focus, Lord, I just believe you're doing a work in hearts, and we just ask with these next few moments we have together, would you do what only you can do? Maybe you're here today, and um, I think the large percentage of us uh, would say that we're, we're followers of Jesus. You're believers. If you're a believer, I speak to you specifically. Receiving the forgiveness and the grace of God goes in tandem with extending it. I just want to ask you this straightforward question. Are you trying to receive the grace of God all the while choosing not to extend it? And if we're holding on to a grudge, I hope we can recognize the hypocrisy of seeking our own forgiveness, meanwhile maintaining a posture of not extending it. Again, there's a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness, but I believe that today there's going to be some freedom for some of you and i want to ask a very forward question is there someone specifically you need to forgive whether it's recently or years ago is there someone that you need to forgive and again this means someone that you are no longer looking for retribution you're no longer looking for paybacks you are ready to say i release that debt and i'm going to move forward I'm not gonna let it hold me back anymore. It's not gonna consume me. The, the, their demise or their repayment is not gonna be what I live for anymore. I release it today. I forgive it because God has forgiven me. And as I receive his forgiveness, I choose to walk in a forgiveness towards other, not justifying what they did, not diminishing how wrong it was, but i no longer seeking revenge. I'm no longer seeking repayments. I release it and I move forward with who God has called me to be that's you today, we're just going to spend some time praying for you before we leave. We don't do this all that often. We're going to ask you, if that's you today, this isn't to do anything, but I just feel like a physical response. We're speaking to ourselves. God already knows. I don't need to know. But I think that you need to make kind of a line, line in the sand moment of like, this is me that's you today and you say there's someone specifically I need to forgive would you just raise your hand right now and just say God I'm acknowledging this moment right now it's time for forgiveness it's time to release the debt amazing you're not alone there's so many hands going up right now you know this is the day it's time to walk in this forgiveness God you see hands you see hearts you know stories Lord you know that this is no small moment no small task And Lord, we're asking right now for such captivation with your grace and your mercy, that as you forgive us, we extend forgiveness that is not deserved, but God, we are gonna walk in it. We're gonna move forward. We're not gonna be held back anymore. God, I just ask that you do a work right now that we cannot do on our own. A debt that we could not pay off, you forgave, and a debt that we cannot release. You give us the power to do so. God, we choose right now to be in tandem with you. You're the expert, you are the God of grace, you are the source of mercy and compassion and hope and future and our anchor is in you. It's not in the justice around us. It is in you. You are all we got. We cling to you right now, Jesus. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't consider yourself a believer. I just want to tell you that step one is finding forgiveness by looking to Jesus today. If you don't know Jesus, I can't blame you for holding on to unforgiveness. We don't have it in ourselves. It comes when the grace of God transforms us. I want to tell you today that he is the king that forgives your debts. He doesn't just give you an extension. He doesn't create a payment plan that you work off. He is the God of grace that anyone who believes shall not perish, shall not receive the punishment of their sins, but experience life through Jesus. I want to tell you today, you can find hope and life and faith and forgiveness in Jesus. Not because you work it off, your debt is too big. It's coming before him and saying, I I need your grace, and he extends it freely. And as you receive his grace, you develop the ability to forgive others. Here's how we're gonna conclude today. It's almost 1115. We always try to dismiss between now and, and five minutes from now. But I'm gonna ask that we take just these next few minutes before we dismiss. And I just, I've had a sense in me that today demands a response. And I know that God can, call us to respond in various ways in various fashions but i believe that today some of us need to respond by by receiving prayer and uh, i've talked to our prayer team and and danny and i we're going to join the prayer team today and um we're just going to ask this simple question is there anything you want to share with me today because for some of you sharing is healing for some of you, being forced to share is damaging, so we're not gonna force share today, but we wanna ask you, is there anything you'd like to share? And whether the answer is yes or no, we're just gonna pray for you. We're gonna pray for the ability to forgive, and that that, that ability would not come of you just being stronger and you being better, it would come because you are captivated by the grace of God. Spencer's gonna lead us in, in a, some worship. about five minutes, we're gonna dismiss, but then we're gonna allow people to continue to pray. Um, but here's how we're gonna do this today. I'm going to actually ask that to, it's just for space and ease and everything else. We're going to pray right up here. We're bringing back the altar call today. Uh, this isn't to embarrass or make anything weird for you. This is because we want people of faith around you to encourage you, to join with you, to speak life into you, to just remind you of the truth of the gospel, and uh, don't do this alone. Some of you are walking through really challenging moments of what it looks like to forgive. Don't do it alone. Uh, so prayer team, you guys can come up. And if Spencer, will you take us, and I know the first people to move, you're the most courageous, uh, but can we pray with you? Would you just come join us? We'll dismiss again in about four minutes. We'll dismiss, and we'll keep praying as long as we need to. But if we can pray for you today, all we're going to ask is, is there anything that you'd like to share? Yes or no, we're going to pray for you. Would you just come join us right now?